Welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast with your host, Denise. Denise can be found on IamDenise.com and all social media platforms. On Let's Talk About It, we dive into the path along the journey while celebrating the human spirit, resilience, and ability to grow beyond limitations. Are you ready? Okay, then let's talk about it. Hey, how are things? This is Mark here, and you are more than welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. If you would like to contact the podcast for any reason, as usual, the email address is clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. On the show today, I have Denise Dixon. Hello, Denise. How are you? Hi, how are you? I am extremely happy to have you on. Um, in the last while, you're one of the first people that I approached. I normally get asked to come on at this stage now. Um, so you're up there in big high company when I'm trying to get you on the show. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you so much. Um, you are, I suppose, just, you know, I, I'll be talking to Denise, but just a background. Um, Denise is, if you like, a life coach. It's Denise Life Coach Service. It's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. She's Her website is www.imdenise.com, and you can contact her at info at imdenise.com. Um, I've seen Denise on a different podcast, and I thought she spoke so much sense. It was unbelievable, and that's when I started to stalk her to come on the Clockwork Junkie podcast. <laughs> And thankfully, she decided to come on, and I'm del- absolutely genuinely delighted to have you. Um, so I suppose we'll start off, can you tell us a small bit about yourself? Where are you at this moment in time, and what is it that you do? And then we get into the nitty-gritty of the mind. Nitty-gritty, awesome. <clears throat> well, first, I'm, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I've looked at a few of your episodes, and the thing that I love about you is you could just see a real person talking to real people, right? Oh, you, you. You, you connect with people so well and you really listen to what they're going through in a way that you can just tell that you identify with the people that you talk to. And so I love that because I think people are so commercial and always so performing sometimes. Sometimes it's exhausting just to watch, you know? And with you, it's kind of like, you just you're I feel like I'm in the room when I when I watch one of your episodes so that can be a bad thing at times but <laughs> thank you very much for, and this is why I wanted to get Denise on for those words all right thank you for listening to the podcast bye-bye <laughs> no that was very nice you didn't have to say that thank you so much it's true it's absolutely true um in regards to your question I'm Jamaican I was born in raised in Jamaica I migrated to the United States when I was 14 years old and I, I, I honestly came here because I was in a situation where I was being abused as a child in Jamaica and I fled um, from Jamaica to the United States to live with my mom. Um, my, my educational background is I have a master's in education and I actually have a master's in counseling. So initially I was going to be a traditional therapist but life experiences and difficulties and obstacles along the way kind of threw me back into the challenge of being myself and recognizing that I wasn't able to function authentically because I was still operating out of, you know, crisis. I was really operating from a space where I wasn't being real. Literally, I wasn't being real. And in this unreal space, I was making decisions that were affecting my life in a way that was not aligned with a person who had done enough of the work. And I wish I could say that I got to that point from, you know, um, reflection and, you know, growth. No, pretty much I got to that point because I got in trouble. I lost everything. I had to start over from scratch and I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I was in a situation where I didn't want to perform for myself anymore. So I definitely didn't want to perform for others. And so even though I have a master's in counseling, I really was pulled to life coaching because I felt like the relationship is a little less formal and it really allows me to relate and speak with people from a place that I could say, listen, I'm not just sitting there asking you theoretical you know, questions from a theoretical perspective and giving you some impression like I'm the expert, you know, of all things. I, I was more interested in those relationships. And so 
I decided to become a life coach. And um, that's a part of uh, what I do here on a day-to-day basis. Which, uh, which part of the States did you say you were in? I'm in Georgia. Georgia. Atlanta, yes. Georgia, is it? Marietta, which is about 20 minutes outside of Atlanta. Okay. And there was, a, what age did you, what age were you when you moved to the States? I was 14. 14, yeah. That's a brave mm-hmm. thing to do at 14 years old. You know, um, I I wish that it was, um, you know, just kind of like I came. I really didn't have a choice. I was in a situation where I was in a very abusive um, situation and I really didn't have a choice. I literally got on a plane at uh, five o'clock in the morning um, just to kind of escape what I was going through because of the parameters around that situation. So it's literally like you get up every day and you're living your life and you have your family and you have your friends and you have everything. And then one day you just get up and you just leave that. And not only do you just leave that, but you're cut off from everything. There's no like going back. There's no, you know, and just to, to just kind of tell a little bit, because I don't want to come across, you know, as cagey in regards to the abuse. I was basically being sexually abused. And when I left, there was this, um, this kind of, some people believe you, some people don't believe you, right? Some people side with the adult. And at that time, I really don't think there was enough education or honest conversations about sexual abuse with children, especially in the context in which I experienced it. And so the easier thing for the adults to do was just basically say, oh, she's making that up or that doesn't make sense or this person wouldn't do that because this person can pretty much have anybody they want. And so when I left, for me, at the time, I didn't even realize how traumatic that was. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you get on a plane and you leave your whole life behind Mm -hmm. and then you just have to continue living or start over like, okay, this is my life now. And I feel like what happened was I just kind of put that version of myself in a Ziploc bag literally (laughs) and just kind of zipped it up because at 14 my delicate mind must have been like "Mm, that's a lot we don't want to deal with that so let's just put that away and just let's just try on a new person we don't know who that new person is going to be but it's going to be better than this person with all this pain and without with all this realization and so you know I I say all of that to not be long-winded or extensive but it's very hard to speak to a person if you have symptoms in your life that streams from some of these circumstances when they really have no firsthand experience, which is yes. not to say you can't learn something, but it's different. It's different when you see someone functioning in their dysfunction. And if there's no theoretical evidence to support that this person is being you know, highly functional in their dysfunction, you may not be able to recognize some of those symptoms or traits because you haven't walked that path, yeah. right? And so that's that's how I kind of got into becoming a life coach because I, you know, after I unzipped the bag, and again, I didn't do that because it was great and I evolved and decided to unzip it. I, I mean, maggots were starting to come out, you know what I mean? There was yeah. no air going in. And so it was just festering and then it seeps into different areas of life and then you have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. I mean, like you have to deal with it. You obviously had no choice but to leave because even the fact that there was a chance that some of the adults at the time didn't believe you. And look, I know back then that there wasn't as much knowledge about it as there is now. And and that's globally, I'm sure. Um and then also, like, even with priests here in Ireland, if, if, if a priest was a sexual abuser in Ireland, they weren't arrested, they weren't brought to court, they weren't, they didn't answer to anybody, they were just sent to a different parish, you know, away from mm. the issue that they caused, to go and cause wow. another issue. And that's absolutely crazy. So I still go back to my first thing. I think you were brave because you were leaving your life. And like it, it, it's not as if you were 27, like, and you were, you know, and, and, and you and your husband left. You left on your own at 14, knowing that mm-hmm. there was no way you could go back, really. Um, you know, and 
that's incredible. Like, like that's life experience that you can't teach. You know, like the yeah. the, the the feelings of knowing that it's it's sounds like essentially self preservation. This is too much. Absolutely, this, I can't do this. I need to get out. Um, and then at fourteen, it's pretty impressive. Okay, good luck. I'm out, and then you started a new life. But you're right. If you do put it in a Ziploc bag, bag, it doesn't. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't go away. Um, what I love that you said there was that um, you said that it, um, the bag opened up again, but it, it wasn't mm-hmm. because you were at a place of being complete zen with the universe. It just happened <laughs> that way, you know. Um, no. and that's one thing that I like about you when you speak is that. Um, and I look, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you talk about it now. But like, even though you're a life coach and you have qualifications coming out of your bag, left, right, and center, um, you freely admit that you aren't perfect, that you still have bad days every day, and even with all the training that you have, um, you still have to kind of check yourself at times, and that nobody is perfect. And I think that's so important for, like, I mean. It's so important for anybody. Can you imagine like a 16-year-old boy or girl watching this podcast, which I hope to do, and, oh, there's no way out for me, and then hearing someone like you with, with your experience showing that strength at a young age with all the qualifications, a life coach now still saying that days can be rough, days can be hard, that you're not perfect. Like, that's so important. And I don't think a lot of people say that enough, and I don't think a lot of people express the struggle each day that they really go through i think a lot of times you know once somebody gets in front of a camera or they they have an audience it just you know a lot of times it becomes a performance and i have a sister who just thinks i'm like so amazing and that i should like be on a bigger platform and that i should be pushing my brand and i she's like you can be up there with any of these people And the thing that I say to her is, I get that, but wherever it is that I end up, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm performing. I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm having to give people this impression that I'm, I'm so there, I'm not a work in progress. And yes, you can listen to me because I've made it. Yes, you can listen to me because I'm an expert. If I'm going to have an audience it's going to be an audience that understands that I hope today is a good day for her. Cause you know, sometimes it's not always, you know what yeah. I mean? And in my being myself, that's okay. It's not like, Oh my gosh, look what happened. Look what she did, you know, because I'm, I, I want to be authentic in any space that I am. And I don't want to create a brand of authenticity. I just want that to be an extension of how I I'm living my life on a day-to-day basis and whatever platform comes from that, that I'm okay with. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, um, I feel the same way for the podcast. I I've been asked by certain sponsors or certain people, can you do this? Can you do that? And there would be, um, what's the word? Uh, you know, I, I feel if I went and done those things that I couldn't say what I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, I know, and I say on the podcast on a regular basis, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it's what I think. Like no one's yes. putting words into my mouth to, right. to say, not, like for instance, like I have a sponsor for the show and they let me use that for ages. So I knew that a child could use it. But like mm. people have come in and offered me bigger money to do sponsors and I don't understand what they're offering. <laughs> so, no, I'm not going to do. You know, you know that kind of way. It was like yes, um, yes, yes. I, I, I just think it's important to be yourself. And we, Denise and I, was just speaking off air, and I mentioned the word that um, there was times in my life where I was kind of going through the motions, and I was kind of high functioning with depression. So there was no way to tell that I had it, and that essentially I was on autopilot. I think the word I used was an avatar. Avatar, kind of an avatar yes. of yourself, and. There's yes. a lot of people, and I'd love to hear your opinion of this, and, and look, we haven't discussed this beforehand, but there's so many people that, like if four or five people in the workplace, for example, think that, okay, uh, Johnny is funny. So if Johnny's having a bad day when he comes to work, he straight away goes into funny Johnny mode, and he tries to make people laugh and make people joke. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I think personally that, that 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 could nearly kill your soul because you're not being yourself. You're being an avatar. Is is there anything to that? You know, there. One of the things that I really valued about going to get my master's in counseling. To be honest with you, I didn't go get a master's in counseling because I wanted to be a therapist so bad and that was my dream. I honestly went to get a master's in counseling because I was struggling so hard and I wasn't having the experience that I felt like was helping me significantly when I went to therapy. And I'm not dismissing the therapeutic process, but you know, there were people that I would go there and they would open up wounds and they wouldn't close them back up. And then I would have to deal with that. So now you've opened all of this, you know, trauma that I've been through and it's, you know, in a 45 minute, 50 minute session. And then, you know, that must've been hard for you. That must've been difficult. It's, it's not really done in increments. And so then I had to go deal with that. And then I really didn't find that I was getting the answers that I needed. Um, and so I really went for the masters because I wanted to have a better understanding of what was going on with me. I wanted to give myself therapy because I wasn't getting it the way that I wanted to. And so as I was getting my degree, what it did was it framed a lot of things in a psychological way that I understood. And when you talk about avatar, I was living my life literally every day feeling like I'm an avatar and there was this obvious disconnect that I experienced every day where I felt unreal to the point to where I didn't identify with my physical body I really didn't look into mirrors a lot because I just felt like not out of low self-esteem but out of just not connecting to the physical reflection that was looking back and When I told therapists about that, a lot of them said, as they had been trained to, that it's depression and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, maybe it's anxiety or maybe it's, you know, some self-esteem issues, but I understood that it wasn't a self-esteem issue. And so after going to study, I learned about this condition, which is called depersonalization. And depersonalization is basically a state of feeling unreal. And people who are depersonalized, sometimes they get into that state from doing drugs where something happens, you know, within your brain from a a neurological or or a brain uh, perspective. And they function, they do everything. You can't tell by looking at someone that they're depersonalized. But I think that we live in a society or in a world where a lot of people are depersonalized and they don't know that they are. And if you don't know that you're experiencing something, you don't know when you don't know, right? And yeah. so we have psychological issues and uh, such as depersonalization. And then we have things where people are trying to live their lives, not as themselves, but as whatever they see on TV or whatever their neighbors are doing, or whatever their friends are doing. And they vacate themselves for so long that, when it's time for them to go back, you know, when you, if you live somewhere as a child briefly, and then you try to go back and there are a lot of changes and you're like, mm-hmm. wait, was it this street or that street? They're kind of lost. They lose themselves because they've been functioning outside of their real self for so long that when it's time to go back, some people are just like, oh, I don't know. I don't even know how to go back there. So I'm just going to continue to yeah. be this wife, be this girlfriend, be this mother, be this you know, whatever it is they're functioning as. And it is an avatar. It is. You yeah. are living as an avatar. That's like, it, it's so, that's so interesting to me. Um, because like, I, I, you know, I've been doing a bit of studying on it myself and I think I was doing that for years. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that um, like in, in Ireland here, you have like, you know, after high school, you have a leaving cert. And I didn't do that because I hated school. I, I had no interest whatsoever in there were subjects that I did have interest in like science and I would stay 40 hours a week doing that if if I could but I didn't wow. really interested in geography or history or English <laughs> I, could, I could already speak English you know um, 
maths was okay. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm 43 years of age. I've never used algebra in my life, ever. <laughs> Not once. I've never, ever gotten to a situation where someone said, okay, look, well, if X is the spot, I said, listen, go away from me. It, it's never happened. Um, and I, I um, when I got older then, I remember one time I was doing uh, security at a place and I thought, you know what? I'm cleverer than this. Mm. Um, and I didn't want people looking at me thinking that this is all I ever came to be mm. when I had, in my mind, so much potential. No one told me that. I just was, I, I never had self-esteem issues. I always thought, mm -hmm. you know, I could do anything. Um, so I, I, I got a job in a new place that opened up and I said, I'm going to try to get promoted and I'm going to go back to school as a mature male. And I did a mature mm. man and I did and I got all that stuff um my wages kept my, my my salary went up and up and up and up and up and I remember one time in work sitting down thinking I have everything that I said that I wanted and then I realize now that I didn't want it at all mm. of course I want money I want to live the same right. as everybody right but I I realized and you can only realize that when it hits you is that I, I realized that I absolutely care zero about what other people think my standing is in society. I just didn't care. Not in a, I'm angry or like, I just felt nothing about it. I said, I don't care. You if, felt, if, un, did you, do you feel like you felt unfulfilled? Like you had accomplished the things that you set out to and you did not have that fulfillment that 100%. you thought would come with that. Yeah, 100%. And I have a picture of me when I was, I think I was six, maybe seven months old. Um, and I'm standing with dungarees, you know, and uh, I, I have that picture. And sometimes I look at it and think, not anymore, but I used to look at it and think, am I doing right by this guy? Mm. Here I am working night shifts, working 12 hours, getting big money. If anyone needs a loan of money, I have it to give it to them. I've, my car is nice. I can pay back my loans and everything else. Everything is going fine. And I just decided that it was all nonsense that like, that's not important. I'm not enjoying it. And I don't care what anybody thinks. And I left. Just like that. Boom. Left. Um, wow. And it was maybe, I think that I had depression while I was there, but I didn't know I had depression while mm -hmm. I was there. And you said something there that's absolutely, like anyone who listens to the podcast is, is, was probably smiling when you said it, because it also happened to me where, one time when I had sitting in my apartment, uh, I felt really, really bad with depression. And I went into the bathroom to put, just to put some water on my face. And I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. Now, mm. it, it, of course, I knew it was me. I could see right. my eyes. And I just thought, OK, this you're, you're just I don't know if you believe in the soul or believe in whatever you believe in. I said, this is not yes. fulfilling me at all whatsoever. Um, and there's a lot of people going through that even now. Like I'm so lucky I'm not. I I I think I'm the luckiest person in the world. I still have nothing. I'm still I'm still <laughs> broke. I, I can't afford anything. My car is like um I don't know if you ever watched uh, Flintstones and Fred Flintstones that runs in a car. It's actually like that. Um it, it could break down any day. But I love it, you know? I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And it's and, and I'm just so happy about small things and I, I really feel like the luckiest person that has ever existed but I have less now uh, monetary wise than I've ever had but I feel I, I feel richer than I've ever had does that make sense at all oh absolutely absolutely because we are we're domesticated like animals <laughs> really to have thank you, thank you for that really to believe and subscribe to these notions of what success is, what making it looks like, and what happiness looks like. It's so amazing that a lot of people get a definition of happiness from what they see, right? Like, oh, that couple looks happy. Oh, that guy has a good job, that's happiness. Oh, that guy has a lot of money, that's happiness. And they really start to think that happiness is tied to these external things. And so when the deficit occurs for the internal happiness and, you know, <laughs> that bank account start going into negative, it doesn't matter how much they accumulate externally, it, it's, it's not making them happy. 
And so what you're describing to me is that, you know, your, your bank account may not be set up on the external happiness side, but you're, yeah. you know, you're balling on the other happiness, you know, <laughs> bank account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, my, uh, my, my goal is to have both, you know, that's the yeah. number one. But the, this, this, the thing is, and I, I, I believe in this so profoundly, the thing is, once you have that internal happiness, it leads to passion, it leads to purpose, it leads to congruence, it leads to authenticity. And then it's just a matter of time before the other wealth finds its place. But when you're trying to get to wealth without going through all of those things, half of the time when you get it, you're not able to keep it, you're not able to manage it, and you're not able to appreciate it, which in turn increases the probability that you lose it. And so you know, it's like you're chasing your tail in that scenario. So yeah. where you are right now is is where you are, right? But I, but I, I suppose just to preface that with, um, for anyone listening, like I obviously still do have bad days. Of course I do. It's like um, like not every day. Like I'm, if you like, out of depression for two years. I feel on top of the world. But that doesn't mean that I've haven't that I haven't had a bad day since that. I've had many a bad day since that. Um. But when I get a bad day, the, the first thing I think of is not anybody else. I think, okay, this could be a bad week or a bad month. So I'm going to look after myself now, not in a few minutes, mm-hmm. now, this mm-hmm. minute in time. Because <clears throat> I always say, you, you cannot help someone else if you're not okay yourself. It's just, it's impossible to do it. You have to look after yourself. But um, mm-hmm. you mentioned something else off air as well, I think, or maybe it was not. I think it was you that like, it's okay to have a bad day. Yeah, absolutely. Have, can you talk about that for... Yeah, you know, Jim Carrey um, oh, I love is one of my, yeah, Jim Carrey right now is just like one of my favorite people. And I read something where he said, depression is something along the lines, I don't want to quote um, directly, but something along the lines of depression is your mind and body telling you it no longer wishes to perform, to maintain the performance, right? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's good. I love that so much because a lot of times, we are told that if you are depressed or if you feel depressed, the very first thing you should do is try to get out of it. Mm. You know, no one ever tells you sit in it a little bit, (laughs) you know, and and ask yourself, what, why do I, what, what do I feel? Why do I feel this? Where is this coming from? What is triggering it? What could I have been exposed to that? I'm not aware that is, that triggered something and is now having this, you know, effect on me. And because we're so, we're so prone to, oh, I feel depressed. I feel depression coming on. I want to, you know, just kind of get out of it. We don't allow ourselves enough time to reflect because a lot of times we don't want other people around us to feel some type of way because we're not animated or we're not performing or we're not, you know, reacting in a certain way that makes them feel comfortable and then we negate our own due process <laughs> you yeah. know of being in that state to see Absolutely. like there there are days and I'll, I'll tell you something um so I'm in a new really a relatively new relationship and um so, you know a few Congratulations. months now thank you thank you I had not had a boyfriend for six years five years by by choice And so this particular relationship is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in, right? Like this guy, I feel like is a kindred spirit, soulmate, a person that if I, which I did, you know, think about the things that I would want in a guy, it's manifested into this person. And so a few days ago, I was really thinking about how aware I am now of what I want and what I need and what I deserve. And I was very grateful for having that actualized in my life. But in that same thought, it was accompanied by a sense of depression because it made me look back at all the times that I wasn't in a healthy space to pick what I wanted and pick what I deserve and pick what I needed. And what are some of the consequences that I had to suffer as a result of not being in the space that I am now? 
And there was almost like a grieving process that took place, right? So here I was, here I am in a healthy space, but reflecting on where I'm coming from, there was a sadness that came with the reflection of that. And, you know, you talk about looking at, you know, the picture of your six month old self and say, hey, you know, am I doing this guy justice? It was a moment of realizing that I really hadn't done mm. that girl justice, right? And so um, my sister happened to come and visit while I'm, you know, in thought in mm. my head, which looks like a Saturday, I got a robe on at four o'clock. I have a comb in my hair, <laughs> you know? I have flip flops on. And it just looks like the sky's falling. And she says to me, you know, she calls me the next day and she says, you know, I'm a little worried because you know, I came by yesterday and you didn't have your hair done and you had your robe on and, you know, seemed a little depressed. And I said to her, you know, if that is the case, if what you saw looked like depression, it's okay to be in that state sometimes because if you don't allow yourself to reflect and allow that to go through your body and come out of your body, that means that the more I avoid doing that, I'm just going to walk around with that, right? 100%, yeah. And so I'm not saying, yeah, go be depressed. But if you are depressed, I say, give yourself the self-care to kind of understand what you feel, how you feel, what is causing that, where does that come from? What do you think the root is that's connected to the feeling as opposed to trying to just you know, just eject yourself from that. So you don't have to feel that in your body. And that's what we do. We don't want to feel discomfort, you know, like there are all these things, gold, having gone through the fire comes out more, you know, refined. Um, oil has to be pressed a certain way. Like there are all these things in nature that demonstrates to us this process of like pressing and <laughs> battering yeah. and just like tearing apart that has to take place before it really comes together. But we live in a world where no one wants to do that. No one wants to. Nobody do wants that. to do the hard work. Um, but sometimes you're just forced to do. It. Like for me, I didn't want to do it. I didn't mm -hmm. want to do any hard work. I just wanted to not be depressed. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I only started doing the hard work because it was my la last option. So mm. I wasn't clever. I, I wasn't. I have depression. Watch the way I deal with this. I had depression for ten years. I mean, that's longer than most people that ever come over, and I appreciate that. But I am. Um, I just I went on tablets. I I just went went to work, accumulated more stuff, and I just didn't want to do any work at all whatsoever. Eventually, it will go. No, it will not. I had to yes deal with it. Um, and it, it wasn't nice. And then when I did, it, it it just seemed to get worse for years and years. And and then it got better. Like it was um, you know, I was going uphill so much, and then I start going kind of you know when when I got to the top of the worst it could be, I start free falling down and everything went a bit easier after that. But mm -hmm. it's so interesting because I, I'm out of depression about two years now, but for not this year particularly, but last year on several occasions, like, you know, I smile sometimes because if I get a cup of coffee and leave my house and sit on the wall that's across from my house and there's a little bit of sun and if a dog walks by, you would think I had won the lottery. I'm so happy with myself, you know? <laughs> I'm just happy with the easy things. But several yeah. times I look back and I think, oh my, I get it. Like, it's like um, uh, like a butterfly in my stomach. And I think, mm. oh, five years ago when I was in the apartment and like, I, it's like, I don't know if, if it's possible to feel sorry for your old self, if that makes sense. But I, I, I felt and, sorry and for that person. I said, oh, how? Yes, like, yes. And you know something as well, and, and this is strange, if me now could go back five years and talk to me then and say, I give you my word, it will get better. The five years ago, me wouldn't believe the me now that said, no, you it don't wouldn't. understand. It just, it looks like there's no way out. Nobody can help. There's no way out. And a part it's of, not true. You know what? It's not true. And a part of that old part of you, a part of the reason why it wouldn't believe you, it's because it knew that you're so good at tricking yourself or you're so good at disconnecting or you're so good at emotionally bypassing things that even if it wanted to believe you, it would think, yeah, but is it going to be the real, real thing? Or is it just going to be another highly adapted, mal, 
maladaptive, you know, coping. Like uh, papering over the cracks or kicking the can down the road for a different time. Um, yes, yes. There's a couple of emails that I have got, um, you know, down through the last couple of months about stuff. Um, and I don't know the answer to them. So I have I have three things written down here. Um, and okay. I, if you don't mind, I can ask you. Um, uh, anxiety. I've, I've um, as far as I know, I've never suffered from anxiety. Um, even when I went for a job for an interview, like if it was a big job, I always got nervous afterwards. Not when I went in because I said, look, if I get it, I get it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then if I did well, I'd come out and say, oh, there's a chance I got that. And I'd start getting nervous then. Mm-hmm. So I don't know enough about anxiety. I, I, I don't know why people get anxiety. And I don't know how to fix or I don't know what to say to somebody with anxiety in your experience um like could you talk about that about and what is anxiety how do you get out of it what what can you tell us about it okay um so the first question by the way (laughs) (laughs) no I'm with you I'm tracking (laughs) I'm tracking I'm with you um so the first thing I would say is that anxiety is different for everyone. We have a definition of what we think anxiety is. And I think the definition we have is kind of like the neurotic, you know, like somebody externalizing that they're anxious and, you know, they're just kind of like, and you're like, oh man, that person's anxiety is so high because you can see it. But there, there are other anxieties that you never see. There you know, silent anxieties where, you know, like empaths, I learned way, way, way later in life about an empath because I was one, I am one, and I didn't realize it. And the thing about empaths, we feel everything, we feel energy, we feel people. So someone could come around and they don't have to say a word and our anxiety could go off because that person has anxiety in them, right? So in that particular case, there's no empirical evidence to be like, yeah, I think something's happening with this person and that person may have, you can't see it. So it can be, you know, like externalized and it could be internalized. It could be overt or you could have someone who have anxiety and their anxiety symptomizes us. Oh, excuse me, I got to go to the bathroom, right? Somebody walked in a room, they felt uncomfortable, they're in a conversation, something got triggered and they're like, oh. Is there a restroom I could use? And that's how it comes out. So for anxiety, I think there are different approaches that you could take to it. There's a psychological approach, which if you're going to deal with it from a psychological perspective, I would say go to a psychologist, go to a therapist and have them deal with it from the standpoint where they can explain it to you in a way that is psychologically based. There's some people who decides to treat anxiety with from a spiritual perspective, right? Grant me the serenity to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the things that I can, you know, difference between the two. There's some people who deal with, with it that way. And then there are other people who deal with it in a way, I don't like feeling this way. I want to know why I feel this way. I want to know what causes me to feel this way. And so they start to take an individual inventory of things that makes them anxious or things that make them feel an uneasy energy in your body. I think when you feel an uneasy energy in your body, that to me is a symptom of anxiety. And even if you're not externalizing that in a response or you're not externalizing that in a, you know, a picture show where people are like, ooh, our anxiety is high, you could be going through that. A lot of times what happens is people don't want to, get to know their anxiety. They're like, get it out of me, right? right? And whether if, if that's the case and you just want to get rid of it and you go straight to medication for anxiety, but you're not really working on the biological, psychological, sociological components of what contributes to that, then you're really not treating your anxiety and you're, you're dealing with it in a less intense way, but it's still there. So when you have anxiety, I would say the first thing is to identify what what, what you have, what causes it, because you can cut out so much anxiety by limiting yourself from the exposure of things that makes you anxious. 
Yes. You know, like the Dalai Lama has this book about um, the art of happiness. And I remember reading it maybe like 15 years ago. And I was like, this book makes me feel so simple because <laughs> it's like, hey, if you're not happy and something is causing you suffering, just stop it or remove yourself from it. Remove yourself from as much suffering as you can. But we live in a society and a world where, well, I have to expose myself to this suffering because I got to deal with my family or I got to go to work or I got to deal with a boss that I don't like or I'm in this relationship that I'm, you know, we're constantly arguing. So we're attached to the things that makes us suffer. And then we say, well, why do I have anxiety, right? And if we move from that situation, okay, well, if I break up with this person, I won't have anxiety. Well, you know, your inability to manage the emotion that goes through your body doesn't disappear because you've banished one person. That's going to show up in another person. And it may show up in a person, you know, that's your boss and mm. you need your job. So what do you do? So now your body has to metastasize that energy. And, it's, you know, you have to deal with that and, and be exposed to that every day. So really being honest with yourself and kind of understanding the symptoms of it and how it affects you and where it comes from gives you a clear guide as to how you want to deal with it. Because for some people, they're not going to therapy. They're, they're taking it to the most high, you know, like God mm -hmm. help me to get through this. And for other people, they're going to do yoga and they're going to, you know, do some chakra alignment and, you know, they're going to go from different perspectives. So what is your anxiety? What causes it? What are the symptoms? What are you exposing yourself to that triggers it? And what is the best course of action for you? If you feel like that is going to talk to a therapist, okay. And, and I will say this, when it comes to anxiety, depression, panic attacks, I have a master's in counseling, which a lot of life coaches, depending on you know what, what, what the rules are in your country, a lot of people can just be a life coach. There's no educational training or requirement that's there. And I really don't like the idea of people who haven't been formally educated treating issues like, you know, panic attack and a lot from a clinical base. Shared experiences are okay and authenticity and letting someone know, hey, this is what I did. This is what worked for me. And if you want to try that, okay. But I think, you know, certain points of certain things, you should see a therapist, you know, yeah. to give you some frame of kind of where where you are if you're like it's, completely lost it's so hard like i mean that's like that's look that's just brilliant advice um it's like i thought depression was the worst thing ever but and i got out of that but like i don't know if i get the better of anxiety because like i've met loads of people down through my life and you know some people are nearly a mixture of everything he said there like some people are um <laughs> They're worried because their friend is going through a problem and every emotion that their friend who is in that problem is going through this person with anxiety is going through all of that stuff when they when it's, yes. it's not their problem now they also yes. have other problems themselves and mm -hmm. then they have things example would be COVID 19 when when are we going to get the vaccines when are we going to be able to go back to normal and or oh, i i heard somebody on facebook saying that it might be two months and everything is just coming in and it's like it's coming in in a funnel and it's bottlenecking down in your mind and you just can't mm -hmm. and you're you know and you just can't seem to you know you just can't seem to be able to and relax it's just you just can't yes. seem to be able to do and it gets worse and worse with every single day um and and jesus that sounds so hard it's like, tough you know, it sounds it's so tough hard. it's tough and there are a lot of people who are finding ways to bypass that emotional discomfort because it just feels like if they go through it, they're not going to make it to the other side. Yeah. And so they're trying to find a way to get around it. They're trying to find a way to delay, suppress. I mean, they're trying to find a way because at the base of that is fear of not surviving. You know, I don't think I can make it through this or there's so much that I'm going to have to go through in order to make it through this. And we need to have more conversations like these, you know, with people who's been through it, who still continues to manage, you know, their lives in a way where they're not in that state of surviving or that fight or flight or yeah. that space of just fear. Because, you know, that's, that's the underline of a lot of it is fear. 
Yeah, afraid of things that may happen, things that may not happen, what other people mm-hmm. think of me. Um, what's my social? How do standing? I look? How will I seem? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My brand. It's the brand. Everybody has a brand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People are starting to live now like they're a five Fortune five hundred company, and the yeah. brand of the company <laughs> it, yeah. is more important than the employees. Yeah, you know, yeah. then yeah, it's 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 their brand. We're overly Fortune invested in our company. brand. Yeah, that's like that. <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to protect everything and trying to protect everybody else and. Yeah, it's so hard. But most of the people that um that I've known who had anxiety, like I know a a lot about depression because I've lived with it for ten years. Um, but with anxiety, I know very very little. And but most of the people that I've ever met, and this might be coincidence, you let me know. But most of the people who suffer um badly with anxiety tend to have panic attacks and and that's actually the second thing on the you know there it's the second thing that i want to ask you are those two correlated at all or like is a panic attack a, a symptom of of um anxiety like i know some people who have anxiety and might have a panic attack when they will tell you that they're not feeling anxious is is, is do the mm-hmm. two of them marry together or are the two separate uh things? i think it 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 varies for it varies for everyone some people have anxiety and when their anxiety gets severe where it you know it's not managed or it's just built up built up it can become you know it can turn okay. into or induce a panic attack rather and then some people they're like oh i have panic attacks but i don't have anxiety but really you you have anxiety you've just bypassed it or you're a little you're numb to it and you swallow it so much and you suppress so much and you're so used to functioning that way that you can no longer identify when that is going through your body and it's sometimes you know an ultimate fear of like losing control or an ultimate fear of something or ultimate um way in which your your mind your body your spirit everything just says right now you know it's at the tipping point and then you know a panic attack takes place so i think sometimes there are people who have anxieties i mean who have anxiety and they don't get a panic attack but i think that speaks more to the management of your anxiety even in your perceived inability to manage it okay because if you know, severe anxiety sometimes leads to panic attacks. And a lot of times people use them, you know, like synonymously, but they're, they're different in the way like anxiety, you could just be thinking about something or worrying about something or, oh my goodness, I don't know, or oh, you get nervous. And a panic attack is different because it's literally like, and I've had panic attacks. So I speak from experience, something happens to you. And the reoccurring thought in most panic attack is this. I'm dying. This is the last 20 or 30 seconds of my entire existence as a being, as a person, as a physical entity. This is it. So imagine if you were in the midst of having that experience, what that experience feels like, you know, because when you know someone who dies, you always think, man, what was the, you know, like the last few seconds of their life, like what, what, could they have been going through that's what a panic attack is it's a very very you know they say a soldier dies a thousand times a car dies once it's like you're dying a thousand times you know and so it's it's really important for people when they have anxiety and panic attacks they sometimes structure their whole lives around not not inducing one right and then you're missing out on so many other areas of life because your whole life now like having a kid you know you have a kid and it's like now your life is about daycare (laughs) milestone you know markers Mm -hmm. that that's that's your life now you're a mom you know you're not going to be you know out at the club well not to say there's anything going out to the club some moms do that but your priorities change a little bit and even if you're you you know you're still doing Mm -hmm. some of the things you did before it's, it's like a balance in that and so that's you know, when you have anxiety and when you have um, panic attacks, particularly with anxiety, when you have anxiety, what happens is 
you start to use avoidance, avoidance mechanism for everything. So in school, they told us this story to describe anxiety about a lady who lived, you know, in a little town and there was a bridge. And in order for you to get out of that town, you had to go on the bridge. So she had developed her whole life around never having to leave the town, never having to go on that bridge, right? So mm -hmm. from the time she was born it, till the time she died, she just planned her whole life on that little rock, on that little, because you know what? I'm afraid of bridges, so I'm not going to go on a bridge. I'm not going to. So think about like the limitations metaphorically of what lied on yeah. the other side, right? And so anxiety does that. It makes you create. And sometimes the funny thing is you don't even know that you're doing it. Your brain is so smart. Your brain is so adaptive. Your brain is like, oh, we don't want to do that. So you know what? Let's figure out a way how to avoid that. And you may not realize that you're living a life where you're just avoiding things all the time because of your anxiety. So not being aware of your anxiety, I think is actually worse than having mm. the anxiety because you're, you're held hostage by something you're unfamiliar with and you have no control of. Is, the, um, is a panic attack, like, you know, your body knows what to do. So if you're cold, you'll get warm. If you're warm, you'll try to cool yourself down. If you're thirsty, you'll drink. If you're hungry, you'll eat. Is the panic attack your body's way of saying that we need to do something about this or like is, is, um, I, I often wonder what would happen if people didn't have panic attacks. Like, I don't know in the long run, does, does a panic attack help as in it might help relieve, like it's what I picture like, is it being wound up and wound up with anxiety and stress and next minute you have an attack and everything's mm -hmm. okay. And then you start like immediately to get wound up again for the next one. Mm -hmm. like a like you you feel it sounds like you're saying you, you feel like it's like a pressure release almost yes, right exactly yeah yeah okay and i i think that's a that's um uh, an interesting perspective because a lot of times when you have panic attack like in america we have an expression where we'll say oh you're doing too much yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like you're doing too much so sometimes i think the body the body's way and the mind's way you know like they have a, a board meeting the body, the mind, the spirit, <laughs> and, you know, after they've like deliberated, they're like, yeah. we have to do something about this to send a message down, you know, to the units. That's what they call us, the units. <laughs> we have to send a message to the units and they kind of like, you know, ex externalizes that way. Um, so for some people, when they feel their anxiety or they experience a panic attack, it's a starting point to say, hey, I'm misaligned here or I'm out of sorts or there's something that's affecting me at an even deeper level than I realize or there's a certain um, level of fear that I'm experiencing that I'm not processing and it's you know kind of like translated into you know this panic and you know there are other things too that causes panic attack like you know PTSD mm. um, trauma unresolved psychological issues that have been untreated so there are various reasons that people have them. And so it, it, it's really important that you understand and, you know, just be really honest with yourself what's happening. And if you don't know, if you're really kind of like, I don't even know where to start. I just have these panic attacks. I don't know what brings them on. I don't know what causes them. I think, you know, therapy is extremely helpful for that because, a trained therapist will be able to help you to recognize or identify some of those pieces, some of those causes and effects. And sometimes yeah. you really can't do that on your own. At least you can't start the process anyway. So, yeah, no, that's, you know, like I get text messages on um, Facebook and emails about different things. And if I don't know the answer, I tell people I don't know the answer but I'll try to get somebody on who does, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm giving everyone, well, you're giving everyone a free counseling session now, so everyone listen. <laughs> no, but it's just that I, I I, heard you speaking before and I know, like, I can see, by the way, why you want to be a life coach as opposed to a therapist because, um, you know, you, you kind of want to get chat to a person and get to know them and talk to them whatever level they're at and, and, and explain yes. to them the way you're explaining it to me. Um and rather than just be kind of a generic tick in the box as a therapist, you know? So, um, mm -hmm. you know, for what it's worked, you've made the right decision as far as I'm concerned to do life coaching because 
Thank you. Um, one more question, and I, I won't ask you any more after this. Um, it, it's 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 something that I've been saying for a while on the podcast, and I think I'm right, but I I was definitely right for me, but in the long run, I I, I could be wrong. And it's the following: I went and seen a therapist. It was a lady. Um, to to this day, she's one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. So think of someone just uber intelligent. She was just she was like that. Um. And she was so kind and, and really, really nice. And I, I booked in for 10 sessions. This is when I was really bad with depression. And after the third session, I knew that she wasn't going to help me. Um, I just knew um, she was so sound, so nice, so genuine, so helpful, and knew everything back to front. But I knew she wasn't going to help me. And when I speak about depression or any mental health, issue on the podcast i always tell people to don't hold it in tell someone straight away but i said if you tell someone and if that someone happens to be a therapist and if it doesn't work out don't give up like i did because i feel that that might have why that's one of the reasons it took me so long to fix myself i always say go to somebody else because i think you could go to a therapist and you just not, might not be a match now, mm-hmm. I rang somebody after this to see could I go and see them, and we spoke, and I felt on the phone that that person wouldn't be a match either, and that person said to me, no, no, we'd be able to match anyone here now, you can come in and I can talk, and I thought, no, you're not a match for me. Is that a real thing where <laughs> someone who has a mental health, any issue, isn't a match for a particular term? I'm, I'm not saying that the person with mental health is an awkward person. And I'm not saying that the therapist isn't qualified. I'm just saying that they're not a match. Is that possible for a thing to happen? And if so, why? You know, this question is a little tricky because Uh there's the, um, (laughs) there's, there's the person part of me and then there's like the trained part of me. Right. So I'll I'll give you both, both, both um, legs. You know, when we, uh, a couple of minutes ago, I think I shared with you that I went to therapy and I experienced exactly what you experienced. I felt like, you know, you were, they were able to give me empathy, that they were able to understand the psychological implications of me having been through a series of traumatic events that I did, but I, that I had been but I felt like there was a disconnect with where I was in this moment and how my day-to-day life was occurring, right? So there was a disconnect that I felt and I felt it very early on. And again, you know, smart, brilliant, theoretically framed, but I didn't get what I needed. So in a way I felt like, you didn't see me, right? You mm-hmm. saw the pieces of a theoretical yeah. framework that you had in mind and you were able to effectively pull those things, you know, childhood trauma, sexual abuse, what are some of the symptoms, what are some of the evidence, how could this be externalizing? But I didn't, I didn't feel like you saw me on that day in that moment. Yeah. And yes, all these other things are kind of in the background, but that's that's in the background and how does that connect with where I am in this moment? I don't mind going back and unpacking stuff, but can we start from where I am right now, right? Because yeah. if we spend all these time talking about the childhood trauma, how does that help me when I walk out of your office? How does that help me when I'm going back in a relationship that I have absolutely no business being in? And so If it was just about me wanting to understand and explore my childhood trauma, then it would have been great. But that wasn't, that wasn't what I needed at the time. And so I was able to identify that disconnect and three sessions, you know, like the first session, I'm like, is it just me? The second session is kind of like, okay, let me see. And then the third session, you know, I'm talking 80% of the time and you're rephrasing 20% of the time, you're not challenging me, you're not allowing me to confront my own, you know, things that I've rationalized or intellectually justified, you can't, you can't even see the tricks that I'm playing on myself. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, 
So I, I needed more than that. <laughs> so, yeah. So I yeah. think there are times when you, especially when you've done a lot of reflection, you understand kind of like what you want and what you need. And if you're in a situation and you're not getting that, it's okay for you to try someone else. And if you're not getting that from another person, it's okay to try someone else. So on, that's, that's on one note. Um, I had a client tell me one time that within 10 minutes of having a conversation with me, he knew that he met somebody who was doing what they were meant to do in life. And it's, it's quite frankly, the highest compliment I've ever gotten because it made me feel as if operating in the authentic space that I try to is enough, right? Yeah. Is enough. Like, yeah. you see, I have like all these counseling books back there and I have my DSM and I have all of that. I never have to open one of them unless I'm trying to have a better understanding of something because that's not even the space in which I practice from. So there's that side. There's the other side in which it's, it goes like this. Dysfunction, imagine that dysfunction, my, my sister and I were talking about this the other day. Imagine that your dysfunction is a person, right? Okay. Its job is to survive. Nothing wants to die, nothing. It's been protecting you for this whole time. It's giving you some nice sleepy sleeping medicine. And it's like, you know, let me do this. Let me run this ship. Let me run this. And what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that you're okay. You stay suppressed or you stay depressed. And then this other part of you is going to function. Now, if you're functioning from that space, the kind of like survivalistic heightened space, you can go into a situation and you may feel like you don't have a connection with the therapist because it's a way for you to rationalize not doing the work or not starting the process. Because of the informal relationship that therapists sometimes have with clients, it takes a little while for you to see that they're kind of onto something, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you're in a certain space, you don't have that time. You need somebody to see your bullshit like session one. Mm -hmm. You know what Straight I mean? Away. Boom. Straight away. Like yeah, you need, yeah, yeah. and you don't need them to be rude or condescending. But you mm. need them to ask you a question like, well, do you think it's possible that maybe you're doing this because of that, you know, and you can't really jump into that in a regular yeah. therapy session because you have to build rapport, you have to make the person feel safe, They're, you know, and not to say you're not doing that in coaching, but a lot of times people are at a space where they want to get into the real, you want to leave the session with at least one thing that you're like, eh, yeah. I think about that, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so it's different. It's different for everyone. But I think your experience was real. And I think you're, you felt what you felt. And you ultimately made a decision that was best for you because you were determined to not get in your own way of your healing. And if that meant that that person wasn't a match, then they mm. weren't a match. I, I kind of felt from um, at the time I thought I was correct. But then afterwards, and particularly doing this podcast, chatting to everybody and i kind of thought maybe i should have went to somebody else so that's what i say to everybody now you know but look you're after giving some amazing advice there and i knew that you would um thank you i knew there was a couple of things that you said there that um i was trying to say loads of times but i just can't articulate it like you can <laughs> um <laughs> but uh like you know it's it's people don't say it enough like life is hard it's not easy. It is. And even you with all of your training still have bad days. And still. if you feel down, it's okay. You can't be happy. all. Can you imagine how annoying it would be to be with someone who's happy all the time? They'd be strangled in a week. Don't you know? I mean, it. and Disney, I, I blame Disney. <laughs> Disney. <laughs> I mean, because really, un I, I'm, I'm joking, kind of, sort of, but kind of, sort of I mean, yeah. TV. <laughs> TV gives you this false notion and this false narrative that you're supposed to be happy all the time. And every time someone is talking about you, talking to you, you're engaged and you're on and you're, you know, you're just mm. ready all the time. That's not realistic. Like, you know, that, that, that's not what it is. When they're showing these shows, even with people who are dealing with depression, a lot of times you know, it's, it's, it's such a small part of a, a, a bigger thing, which is like, oh, and then this person was depressed, you know, and they mm -hmm. show the framework of everything else. And I mean, they, 
you know, but, but then they kind of go off into this corner and, and, you know, be depressed. And, you know, depression is the person next to you. Depression is one of your family member. Depression is your boss, you know, maybe he's an asshole because he's actually depressed and he doesn't really even know how to, you know, manage or navigate it. So Mm. it shows up differently. And a lot of times I just don't think we have enough conversations about the day-to-day operation, yeah. you know, of existing in that state. So I commend you for the work that you've done. I commend you for the oh, work that you. you're doing. And I commend you for not making it and sitting on a, you know, on a throne and just, oh, people with depression, all you have to do is just do this, 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 you know, and if you just do this, 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 yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, that's I wish not it was life. That easy, you know? And because you know that it isn't, you're helping people to recognize and understand that if they're experiencing it and it's not, it's okay, because that's what it looks like. That's, that's what healing looks like. You know, that's what doing the work looks like. So I commend you and I think you're doing great. That's crazy. Thank you very much. That's a, on that fantastic note, I'm I'm going to let you go, but I just want to say it's, um, your your website which i i look it's a www.imdenise.com you can contact denise at info at imdenise.com as well she's on facebook she's on twitter she's on instagram her your youtube channel are you still doing your youtube channel i see the last video i think is seven months ago yeah you know i have a little bit of a and my sister gets on me about this because i'm really not invested in the brand you know, so much. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little social media lazy because I just don't want to be on a stage. I don't want to be performing. I want people who, you know, want my services to be able to find me. But there's a certain external animation that I lack. <laughs> so, yeah. I think you'd be you know, I- <laughs> amazing on a, if you're done like, uh, look, who am I to tell you anything? I'm, I'm nobody, but for what it's worth, here it is, even like three or four minutes every other week, just a little video. And if someone's sitting down okay. and they feel bad and they feel depressed and they don't feel, you know, let's just turn on Denise and see what shite she's saying this week. Do you know that kind of way? And then all of a sudden okay. they'll identify with what you're saying. They'll go, oh, yeah, you know, and, and it, it might even bring you business. It may not. It may just help people in general. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd listen to you and I'm fussy. Oh, you, you know? know what? I... <laughs> I, I think I'm going I'm going to do that because I have heard that um, suggestion uh, before or, you know, suggestions very yeah. similar. So I think that's something that I will put some intention in. And I have um, like an alternative motive for asking it as well as I can go on YouTube and I did do when I was really bad with it. You can go on today and you'd have some guy there, right? He's about 16 months old. Here's the five ways to get over <laughs> depression. Jesus, fuck off, will you? Like, you haven't finished shit in green yet, champion. Get off the television. Of course, you have to experience. You know what I mean? You can. You won't say that. You'll come out and, you know, I, I'd love to be able to do it, but I, I don't know enough, whereas you do, you know. Look, I'll, I'll leave it with you. Um, more I will take that into account. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I really, really appreciate it. You look like someone now that in two months' time, I'm going to be ringing back to come on again. So just keep that in mind. Um, I would love it. I would love it. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Have a good time. I'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.